Welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast where you will find insight analysis and the story behind the numbers. Hello and welcome to another edition of Business Lines State of the Economy podcast. I'm your host Ayushi. I am a tech journalist with the publication. So during the winter session of the parliament India rang in the second of the four planned legislations in the digital tech space which was the new telecom bill. another legislation that is in discussion that could impact streaming firms is the broadcasting bill which is at the consultation stage at present and we have invited uh, vivan sharan partner at coen advisory group which is a public policy advisory firm working with some of the largest companies in the world to deliver the client mandates in india to react to how these bills are going to shape the regulatory ecosystem in india uh, hi vivan it's lovely to have you in the podcast hi nice to be here So I Vivan firstly I just want to get your reactions to the telecommunications bill uh, much of it has been discussed i mean it has received telecom operators have welcomed the bill but at the same time you're getting some pushback from experts who are watching the internet uh, ott space so what are your first reactions to the bill I think the first thing that i will say is that i think a lot of industry breathed the sense of relief that the telecom bill did not include explicitly within it in terms of the regulatory framework that it tries to create uh, over the top or digital application or content services in its erstwhile avatar and version that was publicly consulted on uh, earlier in 2022 and 2023 there was mention specifically of uh, over the top services particularly communication services like zoom and skype that were earlier defined to be covered under this law and to be regulated under this law explicitly now this final version which uh, has been notified and is now the law of the land does not contain uh, references to over the top services in relation to being regulated by this telecom law why there is a sense of relief because of this is that the telecom law is a specialized law it's meant to govern the carriage of data signals etc uh, in the pipelines or in the airwaves between transmitters and recipients whether they be households or businesses uh, and other kinds of institutions and this is a specialized function uh, it's very different from governing content of the nature that you you know may be hearing on this podcast uh, audio content video content messaging content that is another specialized domain and uh, it is not currently operating in a vacuum all of this content a large part of it is governed under the information technology act and so those those of us who supported the industry view were cognizant of the fact that if this law created an overlap with another law it would create some sort of a regulatory confusion as well as the fact that you would start operating with the law logic of regulating the transmission channels or the transmission infrastructure uh within the content space so it, it that would again create a very ad hoc and strange situation which would be unique in many ways to india where we would apply the the logic of uh regulating something that's completely unlike another thing so even in the constitution there is this principle you have that you have to treat different things differently different businesses differently uh, and that hopefully i mean that uh, thankfully has sort of transferred onto this legal framework that we have now so overall uh, a good step 
could more have been done through this law or uh, you know could more spaces have been liberalized perhaps uh, but i think the salient feature is its ability to distinguish between content and carriage correct um so yeah you rightly pointed out that for this time around it appears that uh, uh, regulation of internet firms or particularly communication otts has sort of been let go of in this iteration of the bill but sort of experts and just generally on the first reading of the bill you can tell that they they have kept the possibility to regulate online platforms in the future wide open still i mean mr vaishnav has explicitly come out to say that they have no plans to regulate ott services at the moment but the fact of the matter is that the government can choose to do that like they still can have discretion on that matter even in the current space so i just wanted to get your reaction to that because it has elicited some concern from experts who are looking at the internet uh, industry but do you consider that to be like a serious threat in the future no uh, i don't consider it to be a threat because of two or three reasons the first is of course legislative intent and uh, who better than to then for the minister of telecommunications to clarify that the intent is not to cover content applications or ott services within the law so it's very clear unambiguous and if for instance some adventurism was seen in this area Uh, by a future government it's a matter of public record that the legislative intent was not to do so so it would be for courts to judge as to whether the law in the future is interpreted correctly by a future government second Absolutely. is uh, there is a uh, you know even on a plain reading of the law even without going into what was intended by the law uh, why there seems to be a distinction or why we feel or i feel that it doesn't carry it doesn't carry this kind of threat where uh, content services may be regulated under this law in the future is that there is a distinction between where any such services that relate to content uh, or content itself uh, the way in which it has been mentioned is under a definition of messages which is different from telecom and telecom services uh, messages are pieces of data that are communicated via telecom networks doesn't form a telecom service or a telecom network or telecom in any way itself whereas earlier when the bill was brought out for consultation ott services were brought within the definition of telecom services so the point is that the the distinction between ott uh, and content applications which i sometimes use uh, will use synonymously uh, being put being clubbed under something which is not telecom but in, in instead it's kind of like the fodder for telecom what telecom the end objective of any telecom network is to be able to transmit these messages the distinction in the definitions clearly brings out that earlier it was sought to be regulated that was the bill that was consulted on and basis the consultation responses which perhaps through an rti or one day will be made you know a matter of public record itself but we are given to understand that a large part of industry that is not associated with telecom directly did feedback that ott in any form whether communications or content should not be regulated under this law which is a specialized law as i said so all of these factors lead us to believe that even though telecom itself is very broad as a in in its definitional construct and it will remain as such because all laws that have to do with technology also are trying to sim- simultaneously solve for you know some amount of future proofing and mm-hmm. that lends itself 
unfortunately to wide definitions and this is the case even in it laws i mean for instance the definition of an intermediary in in the information technology act was envisioned in the mid 2000s in india to be broad enough to cover everything from cloud service to uh, to even a cyber cafe as being an intermediary between a user and a service available on the internet or a piece of content available on the internet which is uh, being delivered through this platform or intermediary so the point is telecom is similarly broadly defined to encompass a whole range of technology that could in the future help us transmit messages to each other these include machines of course that there is in fact one of the uh, salient factors of this reform was to be able to also envision machine to machine communications which will be driven sometimes by humans sometimes by artificial intelligence and to make all of this seamless you'll have to envision regulatory regime for many of these forms of communication which don't the regulatory regime does not currently exist so you'll this law creates the scope for creating some sort of differentia based on the basis of some sort of differentiation between technologies creating different regulatory regimes so something that would be very high risk or that would run on like public resources like spectrum be licensed but some something that would be lower risk maybe something operating within our houses like internet of things where machines are talking to each other over internet using telecom and internet services those may be just be required to be authorized under this law wherein the service provider or product provider goes and registers with the department of telecommunication and gives the specifications uh, of uh, of their product so that it is known to the government and there's some sort of kyc so to speak of the vendor so all of that is uh, sort of accommodated within the law um and and uh, you know just going back to your question this is also a, the key factors of this law seem you know the driving impulses of this law seem to be readiness for the future of telecommunications on the one hand creating a legal regime for many things that have happened since the last telecom legislation which was just over 100 years old creating a legal basis for the several several guidelines and notices and things that uh, have been issued in the interim to as a patchwork to be able to regulate telecom which has truly exploded over the last uh, 15 years and and to some extent solve for ease of doing business concerns as well there has been some amount of critical attention also given to the increase in surveillance powers and take down powers uh, through this law which uh, is of course a cause for concern but we see this globally that uh, states are increasingly figuring out ways to increase sort of command and control over the internet because uh, the surface area of risk has grown quite exponentially and i don't think states feel very capacitated to deal with those risks without putting in place more control structures so absolutely uh, just on that point uh, do you see the kind of interception and surveillance powers or suspension powers that this bill is empowering this government central and state government with to be any different from what the general uh, kind of trends towards kind of these kind of regulations are globally do you see it to be more draconian in india or do you you know one of the uh, things that i think uh, again scope for improvement is in the future when we have laws that deal with uh, fundamental rights and many ways of citizens to receive information the right to information in a broader sense Correct. When those when those rights are um, impinged, whether for legitimate reasons or not, there there has to be some sort of a meaningful consultation on the SOP for doing so. Mm-hmm. Now, in this act, for instance, we don't know what are these guardrails or SOPs that will be prescribed 
to take down this content if at all the government decides executive decides to put those out yeah. and this is actually i would argue not a matter for the executive it, uh, at all this is a this is something that the parliament should decide on because it's non trivial at the end of the day you are exercising judgment and it's very akin to the debate on fake news or misinformation i mean who is the final arbiter of all of this if yeah. the parliament feels that the executive is competent enough to be the arbiter of truth or the arbiter of you know information flows etc and whether they are legal or not then there have to be some guardrails that are also prescribed by the parliament and not trumped off by the executive mm-hmm. because ultimately the parliament is the representative of the people and the people's rights are what are at play here so that that definitely is a area which uh, is a scope, you know huge scope for improvement in future laws but Correct. overall do i see there to be a difference above and beyond the fact that we don't know what the sop is no so lastly on the bill on the ease of business uh, doing business front is bill has been seen to be a fair victory for new entrants into the broadband market that is your satellite plus because it allows for allocation of spectrum which is what uh, like starlink and oneweb and all these like satellite internet firms were really asking for and also like uh, more than that it allows for administrative allocation in a huge gamut of uh, areas so how do you sort of see that shift from auction to allocation for certain kind of use cases in telephony or telecommunications sort of that coming through through in this bill how do you see that for private industry i believe that of- even if even if the government had not done this it would have been forced to do this if it wanted to accelerate the pace of adoption of new satellite technologies and machine to machine communications in this country it's simply okay. not possible to centralize this function of being able to manage auction spectrum in such a fine tuned manner as to be able to deal with hundreds or even thousands of entities that would be dealing with the same band of spectrum which is effectively what would have happened if it had been auctioned it's mm-hmm. un- uh, there is uh, no auction design that will be able to efficiently allocate at one go in one shot spectrum to a whole host of players so for instance in the case of 4g auctions or 5g auctions you would have the main big telcos going and you know bidding uh, maybe some institutional institutional actors other than telcos but it would be limited to a, a finite set of players you know 10 or 15 in count on your hands and so on and so forth and then it's an orderly auction but mm-hmm. when you're talking about something like say machine to machine communication or even uh, satellite uh, operators there could be soon one would like to imagine there could be tens and hundreds of these operators and thousands and 10000s of you know machines that would be communicating with each other so types of machines even so uh, you know managing all of this efficiently is first firstly there is no uh, institution in this country that is capacitated to do so or anywhere in the world Mm-hmm. and moreover the global precedent suggests that it it would be a highly exceptional measure if you were to start auctioning the spectrum every country that has tried it has failed absolutely and therefore you have a body called the international telecommunications union that prescribes or that um, that is a un affiliated body over 100 years old that has hundreds of people sitting and thinking about which what is the most efficient use of spectrum and which parts of the spectrum or the airway sh- should you auction as a country and which should you administer and there's a lot of international coordination go- that goes into this naturally because india you know you know in the, the globe is the world is turning on its axis and uh, so if the airwaves are shared there are shared resources so it's very yeah. difficult in certain bands and with certain technologies to manage an auction system if you are the only country that is 
uh, executing it and without harmonizing with the rest of the world. So my belief is that even if we had gone in some other like, regressive manner to prescribe that everything shall be auctioned and we want to, our sole purpose in life is to get the most revenues for, for the tax, uh, for the exchequer from uh, from every auction and not care about how markets will uh, pay us back over time, we would have our back backs against the wall very soon and we'd have to have a rethink. Correct. So I'm glad that we didn't have to go through that entire painful process. Absolutely. I just have a few questions on the broadcasting bill. It's still in its uh, drafting process. Uh, both broadcasters and streaming firms have to uh, give their public comments on this matter soon. It seems like they're kind of teaming up together to delay its implementation, citing it to be an onerous regulation in many ways. I mean, quite obviously for streaming firms, there is an increased scrutiny on the content that will come through this bill. But what do you think is the broadcaster's opposition to this bill? And what are the reasons when these comments come out from both these, uh, from entities like Netflix and Viacom, et cetera, what do you see that wide gamut of reactions to be to the draft of the bill? So firstly, uh, you know, the broadcasting bill is doing something similarly to the telecom bill and something very differently. Because you've mm-hmm. talked about telecom, we have a point of reference for the audience. What is, simil- what is similar is that like telecom, the legislation, bro- they're seeking to define broadcasting very widely so as to perhaps accommodate a whole use of technology supply chains and use cases and so on and so forth. So envisioning the future and accommodating for it within the legal framework. That is similar in ethos to the telecom legislation. What is very dissimilar is that, like I said, telecom creates is a specialized legisl- legislation. It treats content and carriage differently and defines them differently. Here in the broadcasting bill, they're seeking to club in the aspiration to be able to create a wide definition. They have inadvertently or uh, willingly clubbed to very different classes, categories of things together. On the one hand, they have uh, broadcasting services, which are basically, uh, again, pipes that carry broadcasted content. And on the other, you have uh, OTT services, which are not pipes. OTT services Mm -hmm. are, are, are content providers. They are akin to what broadcasting organizations are under the global construct of how we think about broadcasting industries. So broadcasting organizations would be of the Z, Sony, uh, Star variety. So by seeking to do so, it actually confuses the the character of uh, broadcasting legislation. So just some background there is that the last time, I mean, the, the current act that we have for governing the cable television Space is something called the Cable Television Networks Act of 1995. And the, the reason for this reform was that uh, in the last uh, 25 years, there's been a lot of changes to the broadcasting space. Again, like telecom, a lot of guidelines, rules, etc. have been brought out without necessarily having legal backing. For instance, there are guidelines to uh, uplink and downlink signals that don't relate to the Cable Television Networks Act, for instance. And the idea was to therefore, the original idea was to bring legal certainty to the space. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, of course, the construct seems to have evolved to also accommodate for new technologies like OTT services. However, given, like I said, OTT services do not actually transmit data between two entities. They are the ones that originate data. And we as audiences, for instance, they, we pull this data over telecom and internet networks, which are synonymous with each other. Therefore, there's an intermediary in the middle between users and OTT services. 
unlike in the case of broadcasting services which reach us till the last mile in our homes with cable and uh, with uh, uh, satellite and through set top boxes these are very different functionally unequivalent things and mm-hmm. therefore it creates again similarity between uh, uh, very different things which which is a forced way of thinking about this space and uh, i think industry in large part outside of those that actually operate these uh, that that are first operators of these networks and then sort of have also forayed into content spaces outside of these kind of entities i think you would see most you know digital operators digital service providers actually push back against this bill in not creating uh, a specialized treatment for ott which also again by the way similar to the telecom bill the ott services are already regulated under the information technology act which also is seeing its own uh, reform in this upcoming digital india act which uh, which Thank is in, yeah which is in the early stages of consultation so it seems a premature to to do this even before digital india act and it's uh, full is is fully sort of envisioned and brought out b it creates it, there is a need for specialization which it seems to ignore and c of course then is the question of rights uh, like in the case of telecom uh, is it furthering uh, the rights of business uh, businesses and consumers or is it reducing them and that's you know similar to, to the telecom uh, world it's actually reducing some of the rights that users enjoy or that okay. businesses enjoy today in the ott space by prescribing fairly onerous guidelines or uh, regulations for how content is to be vetted uh, before it is brought out and also similar to the telecom uh, scheme of things is the fact that like i said the sops for takedowns in the telecom world are not have not been consulted on they're not part of the legislative process so far and so on so which ought to be even here uh, the broadcasting bill in its current avatar does not specify what content codes etc it wants uh, broadcasters and uh, others uh, that are not broadcasters that i am arguing are not broadcasters to follow mm-hmm. um and uh, without actually putting that out which is which seems to be like a substantive element of uh, any form of uh, content regulation you don't know how you're going to regulate that content in uh, in substance you know what do you find to be violative of uh, the constitutional uh, scheme of things uh, you know or is it just going to be limited to the the limitations on freedom of expression in the constitution because mm-hmm. currently for instance the cable television networks act that i referred to earlier has advertising and program codes that regulate content that is available on broadcast uh, on tv Mm-hmm. and uh, arguably many elements of these codes go beyond what are reasonable restrictions uh, as articulated in the constitution and some of the rationale for doing that is because broadcasters uh, you know use public resources and airwaves and so on to reach the user uh, they don't enjoy the unfettered rights that they otherwise would but again here in this in the case of ott services ott services require third party or intermediary to reach users and therefore it's again a very di- it's treated very differently for from television broadcasting the world over and here we would be creating some sort of an exceptional treatment of ott uh, but where i think we converge with the world in this overall thought process is that globally there is uh, more attention being paid to content regulation on over the top services overall because it it is reaching a number of consumers now uh, critical mass absolutely i think that's all i had to ask thank you so much for one for thank uh, you ayushree thank yeah. you